Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good. Great. Glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody out there listening, for joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is... The number four, Capital C and Corners, Capital P and Podcast, no spaces, save 10% off your order. And then we're going to go to Matt for our other shout-out. Yeah, our shout-out would be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, Orlando Cologne, uh, I'm sure he's been to Texas. Um, he once had to do a gimmick of a, of a matador, which uh, isn't, <laughs> isn't technically like a, a Texas thing, but they fight bulls. It's more of a Spanish thing. Yeah. But he's Puerto Rican. I don't know. It's all very kind of racially racially prejudicial. I think the but true question the is I think the true question we're trying to figure out is he's probably mm. been to Texas, but he ha- has he been in Texas on a Tuesday? I don't know. Mm. Probably. Mm. Maybe. I think we finally made our way into a uh, into a segue there. <laughs> <laughs> So, we are, this is a listener request that was sent to us. They asked if we would cover Tuesday in Texas. Brad, could you give us a little... This Tuesday in Texas. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. This Tuesday, I... This Tuesday in Texas. So, Brad, could you give us a little background on this Tuesday in Texas? So, this is kind of a weird show because, so this is like six days after Survivor Series? something like that some absurdly yeah. close thing and this is like they were trying an experimental pay-per-view for like a tuesday night and i guess it failed miserably i um i didn't get a chance i wanted to look and see how much it cost i'm guessing this was like 20 dollars or less because i couldn't imagine them charging a full 30 especially considering it was shorter than normal Mm-hmm. so this is an experiment so this follows up about a week after Survivor Series 91, which sees Undertaker beat Hogan for the title with the aid of Ric Flair. Yeah, um, if you have not seen that match, that is Taker lifts Hogan. You know, Flair makes his way out to ringside. Taker lifts Hogan for the tombstone, and Flair slides a chair in the ring. Taker tombstones Hogan on top of it for the one, two, three. So... That's where we get this return from. Um, uh, I, I guess they were like, well, we need a really good hook to try this out and see if it works. Can I interject? Yes, sir. 
this occurred at the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas, uh, uh-huh. which I think I shared before. My wife is from San Antonio. Um, I believe I've been to this uh, Coliseum because it's next to the uh, the AT and T Center, which is where um, where the Spurs play. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> a few years ago, my wife actually took me uh, to rodeo. Okay. Uh, because uh, there actually are rodeos that travel around, or at least there used to be. I, I mean, I think with the pandemic, it's been kind of – that hasn't happened. But they're probably coming back now. Um, but they did rodeos that travel kind of all around, like, the southwest and a little okay. bit into the south, I think. And we went, and she's like, oh, my God, rodeo is so fun. So we went, and it's like it, – it is kind of weird because you're, like, you're seeing dudes, like, like bride bulls and, and mm-hmm. like, lasso – like <laughs> lasso bulls and other animals and then run mm-hmm. for their lives so they don't get crushed to death uh, they have like rodeo clowns that yeah. yeah there was one rodeo clown leon coffee who i guess he made it for tired he was he was like he would go out there and he would make uh jokes and i felt like he was making like inappropriate jokes at the time that i went but it, it's kind of weird and then the rodeo like had like maybe like an intermission and it came back and it was a, a keith urban country music concert <laughs> just in the middle of the rodeo that is a okay i mean that's a big get he's like a big star. yeah um and it was actually a pretty good show and then afterwards uh we went over to like the freeman coliseum because they had like a stock show so we got to see all the different uh rodeo animals you get to see i got to see a a, a bull that had i swear to god probably like the the entire length of my car it was giant Oh wow! Fun. It was actually like. See, uh, I'm, I'm. Animal rights people probably hate these things, but. Well, yeah. Uh, I've never I mean, been. I feel to like one. the cow's got a legitimate chance at revenge if it wants it bad enough. <laughs> I've never been. I might have been to one rodeo when I was real young, but I discovered. My mom grew up on a farm. I discovered that. She was a barrel racer in her youth. And it's just like, well, gee, Mom, why didn't you ever tell me this? And she was like, yeah, I didn't think it was important. And I'm like, I will i don't know. Tell your kids cool stories. That might be fun. But, yeah, I don't know. She's just like, yeah. I don't think I could go because of the smell. It Like, that's the same reason I don't think I could go to monster trucks is I don't need to be – in an enclosed space with diesel fuel and exhaust. I don't need to be in an enclosed space with cow crap. You want to know something? I'm going to I'm gonna make it sound like my wife and I are rednecks. We're not. Like, I've been to the Monster <laughs> Truck Show, too. We went to Monster Jam a few years ago. Monster Jam! Is Gravedigger there? Grave, yes! Gravedigger is the star of the show. Gravedigger is like, the big attraction. He only cut. And uh, I, I don't even feel like Gravedigger did a lot. He like went around the track couple times that was it i, I mean, think they break what cars being crushed they they do like i think it, during the it was like a two-hour show and i feel at least like two to three of the, the cars like broke down yeah <laughs> whatever uh, happened to bigfoot like bigfoot was like the thing for a minute and then like gravedigger came along and stole all of his thunder do you remember that bigfoot uh back in like the 80s had a very short-lived cartoon show yes i do yeah I, what it was, it was, bigfoot yes. and the muscle mach- machines because they used to have them they were toys for a while. They were like these these um, battery-controlled trucks, and they'd have like little switches on. So you'd have your Bigfoot, and if you pushed it forward, Bigfoot would 
go forward and you could put little cars and it would like go over your Hot Wheels and stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, my 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 kids uh, have my kids love monster trucks, so they um you know will play Monster Jam and that sort of stuff. And they've got the the thing they've got now is the monster trucks come with these little recrushable cars. So they're either they're either rubber. So when you drive your truck over, it'll just pop back up or they're plastic, but they're, they're all connected to a central piece and then you fold it down and then just you pop the, it's like a, a pop it into the slots to put it back together, but then you run it over the top and, um, flatten them out. What was the dinosaur when they, I guess when it was having a lull in popularity and they were doing like the super gimmicky things. Oh, the robot dinosaur that <laughs> Yeah. Way? Cause I want to call it truck. It fire. Yes, fire. I, I want to call it Truckosaurus, but that's what the Simpsons called it when, like, they drove into the arena and it trashed their car. So yeah. I know it's not Truckosaurus. I think it's, like, I don't even remember. I just remember the commercials as a kid. I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. There was, um, also a, there was also a very crappy Bigfoot NES game as well. That doesn't surprise me. It was probably made by LGN, too. I'm pretty I, sure it was. I actually uh, <laughs> Robosaurus is what it was called. I'm looking this up. Robosaurus. Ah. Uh, Sunday, Sunday. I had, I had like a Bigfoot toy, which was kind of just like a, it was like, it was almost like the the scale of the Hot Wheels toys, Mm -hmm. which is slightly bigger because, you know, it had the big wheels and everything. But yeah, uh, I was a fan of Bigfoot. Looking it up, it says that Bigfoot was running shows with Monster Jam, but I guess that ended in 1998 due to a dispute over licensing of video footage and pictures. So I guess yeah, there was a licensing dispute. Bigfoot is you. You remember where we had the we we covered the um, the monster truck sumo match on top of Kobo oh, Hall. Yeah. Mm. The guy that was there on commentary was the man that made Bigfoot, which uh. means that he still retained ownership rights. Mm. But monster, it might be that Monster Jam has licensing or partial ownership or something of all of the others like gravedigger son of gravedigger el toro um they had they they've got some weird licensed ones like there was there's a great clips licensed monster truck mm-hmm. um there was a scooby-doo licensed monster truck for a minute it i don't know why i retain all this but there it sits in my skull i and, you know i think my knowledge of monster trucks ended as soon as i was like 12 and i didn't see the commercials anymore that's fair they still sell toys if you go in like target or walmart you can find monster truck toys monster jam theme yep uh, they're got, easy to find i guess i've got a plethora of them i guess i just think of it as monster trucks i know they rebranded at some point to monster jam but like when i was a kid it was just the monster trucks Monster Jam is the t- the the touring company, the big promotional yes. company for it. To uh to to bring it all back to wrestling because this actually does have a wrestling connection. You mean like beyond. when we watched Hogan commit involuntary manslaughter on a pay per view and not get yes indicted yep. yep. for it. it? It's not just that um that. Oh connection. no, wait, he he paid for it though because I forgot he got um he got gang banged by two very large men. Uh, one of them, <laughs> in, um, one of them <laughs> in mummy wrapping. Um, this actually, Bigfoot actually has a wrestling connection. I guess uh, Bigfoot still did some sort of monster truck type shows okay. or truck shows. Uh, and they signed former professional wrestler Medusa Michelli to be like the driver. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think I knew no. that. 
she's like a monster truck driver. I did know that. And then know she had a Bigfoot connection. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, just for one other thing before we actually dig in. I spent a portion of my professional life as a licensed Power Wheels technician. And somebody brought in a 1980s era Bigfoot Power Wheel. And let me tell you something. Those things are a son of a bitch. Yeah, I had one when I was a kid. And I think you had to, this is back in like, I bet I had one like 87 or 88. And, you know, this is, we're talking about 80s batteries. I think you had to charge that damn thing for like two days just to like drive it around for 10 minutes and then it was dead. Oh my God, I'm looking this up. I I wanted this. I like begged my parents for this. This was probably in like the Sears catalog. Yeah. And I never got it. No. The, um, that era of, of uh, Power Wheels, what they would do is you had to push put both feet on the pedals for it to go forward. So if you dropped your feet off the pedals, then it would just stop and there is no uh, bottom to it. So if you were just like standing in and and putting your feet down or something, then it it wouldn't go anywhere. They didn't label or the one I was working on, all the labels had come off. They didn't label any of the wiring. (laughs) So I'm laying on the tile floor of the shop with this thing up like up on a stand over top of me with a flashlight so that I can read, I can hold the diagram up next to it. And I had to work. I had to follow every flipping line of this damn thing. It took me a week between doing everything else and working on this stupid thing to get it going. And I didn't even get a damn tip. <laughs> uh, you should have been like, well, like your power wheels either fixed or I defuse the bomb. I haven't decided which yet. <laughs> Uh, the owner would come around periodically and go, how are you doing? I said, I'm a Gravedigger fan now. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Gravedigger, in the late 90s, um, there was an in, there was an indie wrestler that wrestled around like central Ohio that was like an Undertaker knockoff. And his name was the Gravedigger. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of surprised he got away with that. I mean, it was like a pissant indie that had like, you know. You know how every indie in like the late nineties had a doink of some sort? Well, they had a doink too. Still do. Yeah. I think they still have a doink in that one. <laughs> Maybe so. And it was like, anyway. It was like the most low rent of indies. Like most of their shows, like guys couldn't even go off the top rope because they'd put their head through the ceiling of whatever like crap hole they were working out of. Or like, because they, they had be TV for a while and like the, the, um, the cable, like, you know, when cable access was still a thing, Yep. they, they would put shows on there and like half the time they'd be in like some bar with like three people watching or something. It was like sad. I'm going to be conspicuously quiet right now. So this is, um, this is a weird <laughs> show though, because we were, we were looking at the results and there's like a laundry <laughs> list of dark matches to this show. I have nine dark matches. And I'm kind of shocked because I couldn't tell, like, where did you guys fall on the, were were they sweetening the crowd or were they not sweetening the crowd? My, go ahead, Matt. I was, well, I don't, I don't exactly know. All I know is of the nine that they have listed, there's three of them that it's like, I would actually want to see. 
and arguably want would want to see more than any of the show the matches that actually wound up on the card but i was wondering if some of these ended up on coliseum home videos was kind of what i was wondering that would that's just so probably at least at least three of them i could say probably did i'd say four because i could see um <clears throat> i could see the nasty boys and the bushwhackers on some like ah uh, you're right yeah. probably coliseum is like filler <laughs> like you know some wild tag brawls or like one of those like off like brand ones or you know you're gonna get some like really weird crap on it mm-hmm. i miss those. yeah getting those at blockbuster because you never knew what you're gonna get and like how they were gonna mix stuff together See, I'm I'm looking at the dark matches and the first one, two, three, four, five of them. I'm just betting that those were like go out there and do a thing while people are still filtering into the building. Mm, yeah. I can know? tell you like um like Conan Chris Walker was a local guy. Okay. So he might have just been doing a tryout and like the Harris brothers are probably doing a tryout. Yeah. And this is Chris Chavis before he was Tatanka, so I think he was doing dark matches while they were like getting the gimmick stuff together. Mm. So Conan Chris Walker, he was a he was a global guy, global wrestling federation. And he was a he was a he was a world class guy, and he was also like a USWA guy. He was part of like that Texas yeah crew of guys. Uh, he at this point in time he wouldn't have just been like local talent. They he they actually did sign him do a developmental deal for like a couple of years i wasn't but sure he, if, if he was because th- wasn't he in a rumble one year Ooh, that's a great question i don't know i don't remember if he was i know i saw him i saw him work probably like primetime wrestling a couple times in like a like squash matches maybe you know maybe like against like brooklyn brawl or somebody like that but mm-hmm. uh they never did much with him because I don't think he either. He, I don't remember him being terribly good, but he also he I don't think he wasn't the drizzling shits either. He was he wasn't the drizzling shits, but I think they kind of wanted him to be something, and like he wasn't gonna be, be that. I, I think mean, we I think we we either talked about this or I either listened to Bixen Span and Chris Zellner talk about this during one of their global mm. things about how. Um, they they picked Chris Walker over the Patriot, and they were oh. they were a little befuddled because they said Chris Walker obviously had a better body, but like Patriot had so much more obvious upside. I think no. they were saying that um, Chris Walker was a bit of a better talker, but that they kind of thought that was a dumb pick because um, the Patriot obviously had so much more upside to him than than Walker did. Mm-hmm. So according to the the hive mind of Wikipedia, they earned a hundred thousand dollars in ticket sales from the attendance of eight thousand for this, and they got a buy rate of one point oh. So that's four hundred thousand buys. Now Shad, be fair to Wikipedia, you know some jackass that has no life made sure to edit that page until every last ounce of usable information was gone. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And made sure that any any list of people that were managed by anyone was just gone because they don't do lists, even though they don't do lists. lists. They don't they don't keep finishing moves on it, that sort of stuff. But then, on the other hand, 
there are people who go through and just nitpick every detail that is not correct. Well, my favorite Wikipedia thing with wrestling especially is when a guy had like a 30-year career that's summed up in two paragraphs, and then there's literally a novel about the eight months they spent in the WWF that wasn't yeah. even eventful. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I think they did that to Kamala. I think that one's the one that pissed me off. Because I used to be in this... They, I used to have to change the Kamala one because <laughs> he won the the North American title in, in um, Mid-South once. Or no, yeah. it might have been the Southern title. But the, the idiots didn't understand that, like, just because Memphis was at the Mid-South Coliseum for most of their shows did not make Memphis and Mid-South the same promotion. Ah. Uh. So I had to keep changing, I think, his Southern heavyweight title reign to, like... No dumbasses. It happened in the Continental Wrestling Association, which was Memphis, not Mid-South Wrestling Association, which did not run in the Mid-South Coliseum because they did not run in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, there is a note that uh, parts of the event were featured on WWF Super Tape 92 home video from Coliseum. Okay, because so, some of these matches sounded vaguely like I'd seen them before. There, there are some of them that do seem very Coliseum home video-ish. Yeah. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we run through those real quick. So what we have is, um, of course, I, I scrolled past them. So the Harris brothers beat Brian Costello and Brian <laughs> Donahue. Sir Charles, who I believe is um, Charles Wright. Uh, yes. Right, the Godfather, yep. Papa Shango, blah blah blah. Kama. Uh, yeah, Kama. Kama Mustafa. And Kama also Mustafa. Uh, the Soul Taker, in his um pre WWF days. Mm-hmm. Um, he defeated Dale Wolf, who was like a noted jobber. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Walker defeated Brian Lee. That's kind of an interesting one. Probably very bad though, because Brian Lee was not good this time frame. Um. Chris Chavis defeated J.W. Storm. Greg Valentine defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. The Nasty Boys defeated the Bushwhackers. The Legion of Doom defeated the Rockers to retain the tag titles. Then the Legion of Doom turned right around and beat the Natural Disasters for the tag titles. I wish one of those two had been on the pay-per-view because that would have been good. Yeah. Yeah. um, Ric Flair defeated Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Yeah. Yeah, I... Go ahead, Matt. Sorry to cut you off, Shad. No, um, I would have loved to have seen either of those Legion of Doom matches mm-hmm. and Flair versus Piper. Like both both of those matches, I I would have preferred over what we got outside of Savage or Roberts. <laughs> um, I didn't have a problem with I didn't have a problem with much on this show. I didn't have a problem with with much of anything like nothing i felt was like bad i don't know but why it was just odd my my biggest issue was i do not know why repo man and ted dibiase verse uh tito santana and virgil needed almost 12 minutes yeah i, I don't know either that <sighs> and i, I thought I, the i thought the nasty um... boys i'm sorry brad hang on the nasty boy or the the legion of doom uh, versus the natural disasters, I would have loved to have seen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I am here for that, but 
No, it's not there. And I liked them. Um, I liked Bret Hart vs. Skinner, but like their choices for how they they structured that match really confounded me. Uh, yeah, that, and, I think that's a very fair statement. And I feel like um, I really I really hate the Skinner gimmick because I feel like Steve Kern was better that Steve Kern and Steve Kern would have given a better performance in that match. Instead of being hampered by having to wrestle to that stupid gimmick <laughs> and having yeah. that stupid like shit on his mouth and like hit the yeah. dirty like khaki pants and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Well, so let's uh, we'll let's kick this it. let's kick this off then since we're talking about. It. So our first match is a uh, Bret Hart versus Skinner versus the Intercontinental Title for the Intercontinental Title. Um, now the one thing I will say about this is. I thought this is like a smart pairing because when you look at like the type of guys that the World Wrestling Federation likes to hire, mm-hmm. um, Steve Kern's a really good match for Hart because he can take his offense really well and bump and sell for him pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a good pairing. I don't know what they were doing here because this match I would say, I would say Steve Kern was in control for almost 95% of the match. Like I think it's like a 13 and a half minute match, and I bet. Steve Kern was in control for 11 It's minutes. almost 14 minutes. And I, I don't think it was quite that much, but Kern was in control of a lot of it. Um, yeah. In my notes, I had that... Uh, I mean, this was... It, it, it was a, a pretty basic match. Like, you could... I, I could almost call the beats to it as it went along. Uh, and... And... and Kern or Skinner or whoever you want to call him, he actually was selling and feeding well enough that it kept it engaging. But then we got to what I thought would be the end sequence, and they just kind of kept going. And oh, and Hart got I, his big like um his big flurry, and he was doing all of his signature spots. Yeah, and then Kern like, kind of okay, went outside on him. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Kern takes back over, and I'm like. Uh, what well and the other thing i hate is is i i've seen i've seen more skinner matches than i prefer to, to say <laughs> I'm just gonna admit. but i for one have never seen him beat anyone with that stupid reverse ddt and they were acting like that's his finisher move because even even owen kicked out of that at wrestlemania 8 did he really i think he's beaten jobbers with it but i don't think i've ever seen him beat like Anyone above like Coco Ware with with um with that move. I I can honestly say I don't think I ever saw Skinner outside of a jobber match. I don't I never saw Skinner like win a match. Like he seemed like a, just a jobber to the stars. I think I think in '92 he he and Virgil like do the circuit like forever. Wow. Who did what? he wrestle when we watched um? <laughs> Did he wrestle Virgil when we watched Rampage? Um, was that nine? What year was that? Ninety-two. That was like right after Mania. That was like their first big show after Mania Eight. I, I thought you had said that, but I needed to double check the year. I just, I, I have this recollection of us bitching on a previous show that, that why they, why would they give someone like Steve Kern the Skinner gimmick because it didn't fit his um strength. It was Skinner versus Tatanka. Uh, okay, that makes uh, sense. I was, uh, yeah, I mean, if we've already talked about it, I forget, but what what, what was, 
what was the point of this? Like, what was why this gimmick? I think he was just supposed to be gross. This is like the start of but, their like gross out gimmicks where they were doing like this and like Bastion Booger. Peel Hopper. Yeah. Oh, I actually have a soft spot for Bastion Booger. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't get it. He's he's supposed to be like, you know, like a kind of like a crazy hillbilly, but uh like a Florida like Florida man kind of, like but just gross. Florida like, Gator Man. I think. Florida Gator yeah. Man. Uh, it's kind of a crocodile dundee gimmick with the numbers filed off in a in a, in a different hemisphere. He comes out like with just tobacco juice coming down his throat he has a cup that he's yeah spitting he's the, got dirty pants and stuff jaw and he's dirty he looks gross he's got a big thick beard um looks like he probably smells uh bobby during this i don't know if you uh, were paying attention to the commentary uh I, this this was a an overall okay show there actually was some decent matches but it was just kind of like a weird thrown together show but this show was made better by the fact that we get my all-time favorite pairing which is monsoon and heenan but Bobby, at one point, I don't know if you caught it, the early in the match, he tells a story in case <laughs> where how Skinner is actually homeless and basically is living in a yes. sleeping bag in the swamp. Yes, nice. yes, and I did get that. It makes no sense. It's supposed to be about how tough he is. He's like, he sleeps, he's in the swamp with a sleeping bag because he's so tough he doesn't care. I'm like, Bobby, you're trying, bless your heart, but... Um, no, I, this is not something I'm buying. I thought this was a decent opener, though. I, I will say this about the pay-per-view before we get into it. For a WWF pay-per-view, there was nothing offensively bad. And usually anything up until about 93, you're going to get something offensively bad on a WWF show. And I thought this avoided that pitfall. Yeah. There were things I would call not good, but nothing like offended me. Like I think, was... I think what was that SummerSlam '89 where there was like some Greg Valentine match, and I, we were just like, yeah, we're not even gonna talk about that because that's what it deserves. It was that was a that was so weird because you know Greg Valentine's capable of stuff, but. And, and I'm I'm going off of shoddy memory here, but it, it seemed like he just didn't really have. No, it was a squash. It was just Greg Valentine went out and squashed somebody, and it's like okay, why? But you know, there it is. So, what did you guys think of this match, like overall? Um, I thought it was fine, but it, it just seemed more like a TV match. Versus TV kind main of like event to me, yeah. Yeah, then like a pay-per-view match. I felt Brett was like oddly disconnected. It didn't seem like he was just he was like he wasn't feeling it. So I mean, there was a point like when he's doing his comeback, where he just starts no he was just like no selling all the uh, all the work that um, Skinner was doing to him. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't Skinner working on like his shoulder and also his leg, whatever. And then when Brett does yeah. his comeback, he just ignores all that. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, he started going for the leg and Gorilla was getting pissed off at him because he's like, you hurt his shoulder. Why are you going for the leg? And Heenan was like, well, I think he's just trying to. He's just trying to hit everything and see what sticks or yeah. something like that. Or he's yeah, just then... trying to beat him up and yeah. That's why I said like Brett didn't seem like he was feeling it just because like when it was like the go home spot, he's just like, all right. And just starts no selling everything, which is uh, not very good psychology for you know the excellence of execution there 
Yeah. I feel like we shit on Brett a lot on this show. I, I it's been mostly deserved, but I feel like um, I feel like other than I think we liked that rampage match he had with um, was it Rick Martel? Was that the one where he picked up and carried the bulldog through the whole thing, or no? That was SummerSlam '92. Yeah. Okay. But we yeah, even I, crapped on him for that one because he wouldn't work heel. Oh, that's right. And then okay. we, well, and then I tore into him on Tim's live stream for being kind of a prima donna and a mark for himself. He is a mark for himself. I, our friend of the show, Justin Curtis, is going to be very, very cross that we are, we are. <laughs> we are talking ill of a canadia's canada's uh number one son bret hart but no he's number two because wayne gretzky exists but <laughs> oh, that's true. still that, a national treasure point. i actually like brett i'm 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 a generally i'm a brett fan but i do think that he is like a mark for himself and i do think he was great in large portions of his career i think 97 right before the screw job he was like on fire that was maybe like his best year creatively and his in-ring work was fantastic he's a great worker but i do think he was like occasionally prone to this where it's like if he wasn't feeling it he would just kind of go through the motions my my frustration um, with brett is um he's he's got a very narrow view of wrestling he has like a lot of blind spots and he's not um he doesn't have the the emotional maturity to just admit that he maybe doesn't understand Southern wrestling or have a good grasp of like Japanese wrestling and who are stars over there. And he kind of just sticks to his guns and sounds like he's an, he's ignorant a lot of times, especially if you read his like writings. That's kind of interesting that you would say that. It, Cause I would actually say of, of kind of modern day people, if you could take, you know, the old school, like WWE, F WWE people. I guess either well, I guess let's just stick it to that company. The guys like from the eighties, nineties, and you were to put them let's say you were to transplant them into like modern day product, especially like modern day Japan. I actually think Brett would actually do really well in modern day Japan. He doesn't like getting like hit I, though. That's what Flair's beef with him was. Well, I, I mean, you adapt or you get out of the business. I mean you have yeah. to I um to talk about the 92 SummerSlam match, like we, I, I did say like that in watching that match many years later, like I didn't like it as much. I wouldn't rate it as high, but I actually don't think that's Brett's fault. Again, that's like once you know the backstory about how badly Davey was using drugs at the time, that match becomes like way different. Yeah, you can, you can if you. I mean, it also is subtle if you're not if you if you're not like a experienced wrestling fan which when i originally watched it i was like a kid so i, I wasn't but when yeah. if you watch it like now like it as an adult as an experienced fan like you can see how brett was leading him and you can see and, that and he was pissed it, you can really see if you're looking for it i think where it lost a lot of luster for me is when you really break it down critically the the cracks start to show and you can see where it's just held together by duct tape and bubble gum and a little dental floss Mm. which takes it down but watching that show as a whole again as an adult i actually mm. thought i i love that warrior savage match it's it oh, was, it was yeah really we good. talked about that it was so much better than i remember it being yeah and i thought it was a lot better than than that but like i said i don't necessarily i do blame him for not going heel in that situation like he really kind of was stubborn about that but like the quality of the match itself i mean he really was like wrestling just like a sack of meat 
Yeah. And knowing, I didn't know that when I watched it. And but so I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, oh man, what is, what is this? And then one of you filled me in. You're like, oh, this is what was up. And I'm like, oh, no wonder he's annoyed. But it still bothers me that someone who is having the reputation of being the the kind of um, professional that Brett's supposed to be is he's he's the foreigner facing off with the hometown guy and he didn't want to work heel. It's like, come on, man. Now, I'll admit uh, this this might even be heresy of someone who has has worked in the ring. I was never a big Bret Hart guy. And it, it's it's not that I thought he was bad, it's just I didn't I didn't care for him. You know, he didn't he didn't really do much for me. And the problem is with you you mentioned, you know, we've we, you know, we've given him down the road quite a few times. It, we just keep bumping into occasions where he's just kind of not doing, you know, given what his reputation is supposed to be, he's just not. And that sours me a little bit cuz if you're going to have the the consummate professional reputation or something like that, it's like, well, why would there be so many I don't like there being as many cases of something like this as there seems to be. I, Maybe I also, I'm being unfair. I also have a problem with him because he, like, he blames Goldberg for ending his career, which I admit it was an irresponsible shot. Um, Goldberg shouldn't have done it, and it sucks that he got hurt like that. But where I get mad at him is he always neglects to mention that, yeah, Goldberg kicked me in the head and it concussed me. But, oh, yeah, I kind of did wrestle for, like, a couple of weeks after that, including some hardcore matches where I was getting hit in the head with stuff. So, yeah, like, I'm kind of upset that he did that to me, but I also, you know, was irresponsible with my own health and paid the price for it, too. You know, I get annoyed with him that he puts it all on Goldberg and, you know, excuses himself of not not um, you know, doing that stuff. There was something I stumbled across not long ago where and and you're going to have to forgive me if I don't remember it correctly. I should have saved it where it was like his tune kind of changed on it a little bit. And I there was but I, I don't remember what it was. So I'm not going to slow us down going and looking for it. But but there's also a cool clip of um of him. There's an MSG show when he did that brief comeback. You know, he did that match with Vince that was. Oh, yeah. That was uh, nothing. But there's an MSG clip where. Oh, and I can't remember who he's in the ring with now. I think Dolph Ziggler might have went in there. But he was in, like, part of a six man in MSG. And he actually did, like, some spots. Like, he did the. He did, like, the second rope elbow drop. And he yeah. might have done. What did I. Did he do that? He might have done like the kick and he might have done another one of his signature spots. Maybe the, the Russian leg sweep. No, I bet he didn't do that. No, I would bet. Cause he, did the, he did do the elbow drop, though. I remember at the time thinking, wow, I bet you he's not he's going to go through this whole thing and not actually bump. And I think that's what happened in his match with Vince. I think he just beat the hell out of Vince for ever how long the match went. Well, I think he had but, had his first stroke by then, hadn't he? I don't know. When did he have? No, well, he's he's had two, right? Or is it just the one? 
memory is failing me. Yeah, I can only recall the one. I can't remember when it was though. It was either it was either a couple years before that or a couple years after. I want to say maybe it was 2010. I'm checking. I know he he did a stint in a in a uh, uh, a stage production of Aladdin somewhere in there, but he had a stroke in '02. And I remember, um, it, I mean, he just has bad luck there. Remember at uh, All In, he fell off the stage too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I think he his stroke was in was in 2002. Oh, okay, so that's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, whenever he he showed back up, it was just it was a uh, I was just like, oh, he ain't bumping for nothing, and I don't think he did. I don't so, think he can. Honestly, no, no. But that you know, so he wouldn't do the Russian leg sweep. But um, at least with you know, the, the elbow drop, spots. you're just falling on your knees. You've got more control of that, and there's no chance of of taking a bad bump and hitting your head out of it. Yeah. Um. That that was part of what happened to me towards the end is I, I started taking without realizing what was going on, taking more and more bad bumps. And I finally went it kept happening. And then I went to the doctor because it got bad enough that the last the last, usually if I took a bad bump, like I wouldn't get a concussion out of it, but I'd get whiplash and make my neck hurt. And it's just like, well, you know, that happens sometimes. And then. I went to the doctor about it, and she's like, holy hell, what in the world? So, uh, you know, that's that's what put me out to pasture, or that that was my sign for it. But, you know, you didn't get – I didn't get that if I wasn't bumping, and a back Russian leg sweep would do that for you. So, but so, – Do we want to move on to match two of the night? Well, the highlight of the evening, I'd say. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, we hit the was. promos around it too. This, yeah. this probably there is probably another personal highlight for Matt later in the evening, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is um this <laughs> is this is Randy Savage versus Jake Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. so there had been some shenanigans leading up to this because at SummerSlam '91, uh, Savage and Miss Elizabeth got married. And then mm-hmm. Taker and did they put a snake in a present or something? I don't yeah, know. Yes. Yeah. It was at the reception. Was Cobra. And then um, later there's the infamous traumatized scores of children. Uh, Jake had the <laughs> snake bite him on. Was it? I think it was Superstars. We'll go with yeah. Superstars because that sounds something right. Something like that. So this is like um, Randy Savage getting reinstated. Um. After getting retired by the Warrior at Mania 7 earlier this year. Now, the one thing you can tell, I want to say, going into this, you can tell uh, Savage is off the juice for this. Because what happened is he was legitimately taking a break to try and have kids, so he got off, like, the steroids and everything. So you can kind of tell here that he's uh, he's much smaller and trying to cover it up. You know, it didn't really bother me. It honestly didn't even really register, because um, Savage's size, uh, at He's least never for me, has yeah. So it, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't anything that really threw me off in watching it. Um, yeah, I didn't have a, I like I said, I didn't even really notice. His weird like um, peacock feathers out of his cowboy hat were throwing me off at first. That, yeah, that, okay, that's <laughs> yeah, that was weird. So 
but before we get to that, to touch back onto the whole Jake uh, letting the the snake gnaw on Savage's arm, I remember watching that like as a kid and being like, and this was like right after I started watching wrestling, like literally like weeks into watching it, and I was like stunned by that. I'm like, oh my god, like holy shit. Uh, didn't I think Jake? I I haven't listened to the episode, but I think Jake did talk about. That incident on Joe Rogan when he was on Joe Rogan yeah, last like Savage ago. was like like that snake's been de- like devenomed, right? Yeah, I, I watched I think I, I told I I talked about it on one episode prior, but what the hell it's fun, so I'll do it again. The uh he, he got Jake backstage and he goes, That snake's been fixed, right? Yeah. And and Jake's telling Rogan this. He's like, well, when if you if you take the venom sacs out of a cobra like that, you have to inject silicone because they'll grow the venom sacs back. He's like, yeah, 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 you know, it's it's had the venom sacs removed, it's had the silicone put in, that sort of stuff. And he's like, I need for you to let it bite you, yeah, because there's lots of people that might be out to see something happen to the Macho Man, yeah. And he, he's like, wait, what? He's like, do it or you can't do it out there. And he, so Jake's all pissed off, and he's like, Jake's phrasing stuck with me. He goes, you want me to do this cold? Like, you know, your adrenaline's not up backstage, that sort of stuff. He's just, do it! You know, because it's, it's savage, and everything savage did was intense. And so Jake had the snake bite him. He goes, are you happy now? Like, yeah, we can do it now, yeah. And so when he gets out there, and when he got the snake out, he said, I just paintbrushed the hell out of that thing. So it was real. It was that's why it wouldn't let go is because he pissed it off so bad when he slapped the hell out of it. Didn't he say the damn thing didn't want to do it at first? <sighs> yeah, he couldn't get it to bite at first. So he he just smacked the, the living hell out of it. Because the poor damn snake was probably like, what the hell? Like, what What is this? Yeah. And, and all the know, it's just like, you know, it's. Its handler is just smacking it. So yeah, yeah. Eventually, to get pissed. I think during his WCW run, didn't it, <laughs> didn't he try and like do the same thing and ended up biting him instead? Yeah, I think so. So this yeah. is now what what I will say I liked about this match is if they did this match in current wrestling, I'm not going to single out the WWE because they would not be the sole. Um, guilty entity of this they would have made this like a 35 minute epic and like ruined it whereas this was like a seven minute sprint that got the job done and made you want to see more yeah um this match okay this match started hot which i love and they didn't have to do a whole lot for this match like you know watching this match they're not having to I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm going to say this and it's not going to be how me, they don't have to work real hard. No. Like they don't, or maybe I should phrase it. They don't have to work real long to get where they're going. No, they it, didn't. Cause they didn't right. even try to like settle into a match. They just kind of. Well, and they shouldn't have because this, this type of thing, it's like they, these men should be hating each other. It's, yeah. This is a grudge. Match. It's a grudge. It's a brawl. Um, I will say, to, to go back to what you said a second ago, uh, I was thrown off because <laughs> it's supposed to be like a grudge match, uh, edging into almost a blood feud. By the end of the night, you know, it would be coming a blood feud. But yeah, you have Savage running out to attack Jake at the very beginning, <laughs> and he has the most ridiculous costume <laughs> on. It's like all, 
Like, I'm like, why neon. is that peacock attacking Jake Roberts? Yeah, he has fucking peacock feathers shooting out of his hat. It's like, it's it's the most ridiculous costume. It's like, why is this dude who looked like he escaped from, like, a carnival in... Uh, in Brazil, why is this Rio, yeah. why, Rio de Janeiro? Why is like a, that one feather sticking up from yeah. the back of the head? Why, why is why, that? Why is that Long John Silver worker attacking Jake Roberts right now? Yeah. So then he attacks them, but it's no, I'm the sorry, that's too high class. Why is that Rob Roy worker attacking? There, that's that's probably closer. It's it's good though. Like they just attack. It's just a brawl. Yeah, uh, and the match isn't long. It's like six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have wanted more. I would not have wanted 30 minutes. No, no, I would have wanted. I would have wanted more, and I don't know that I would have had the finish that it did, but it, it didn't matter because everything that happened afterwards, it's like you, you you even forgot that Savage technically actually won this match. I think the I think the angle afterwards was longer than it was. See, now I will say I have I do have one nit I want to pick with um mm-hmm. with the angle afterwards and it's something i i just hate about the wwf is that because it's wwf even back into the 80s no faces have any friends so no one ran in to try and save savage not even jobbers that's true the um matt i'm gonna say that the winner does actually matter because if if savage doesn't win then Jake is just Jake is just you know Jake has just straight up won, and you've got to have in terms of the dynamic. Yeah, Jake's going to win the moral victory here, so Savage has to win something in this. If I was so, booking that, it, that's I, that's why I I think that's that's why he's got the win. I can see that, but I guess my my mentality with this is that if you if you're going to continue the feud which obviously they, they did i would have maybe maybe have savage win with like a dq like jake does something that is like you know blatantly illegal and so savage wins that way but i mean savage technically won wins like clean yeah here now it's not like he decimates roberts it's more like he uh he takes advantage of uh um, I forget exactly what the sequence was, but he basically like he gets the better of of Jake uh, for like a moment, and then he uses that opportunity to do the the elbow off the top. And yeah, he caught him. him. Yeah, he caught him. So it made it wasn't like kind of like a modern day WWE thing where it's like, well, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna have the guy like beat the shit out of you for like five minutes, and then he'll hit his finisher. So it's like, no, it was not really a fluke. It wasn't a fluke, but it was also like. Okay, he got him. Like he did, t- mm-hmm. he took advantage of it. He capitalized, and he won the match. Right, right. But it wasn't done. Obviously, then you had all the post-match angle stuff, which was fantastic. Like if this, if this, if you could, tr- I like to compare to modern day a lot. But I just like to think that way, because if you were to take this in like the modern era, it wouldn't work. Like in, it wouldn't work in WWE just because of how they are now. Um, they would have screwed it up. Oh, they would have screwed it up from the very beginning. But if you, let's say you were to do this, like in AEW, like this, mm-hmm. people would be talking about this all over, like the internet, every, like everywhere. Like you, this would be like feud of the year, like just yeah. the way they're working it. The, the heat was 
nuclear off yeah. of this. And that, you know, Matt, I did the same thing watching it. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here and I'm watching it and I got my headphones on. And I think I muttered to myself, they they couldn't do this today. They would screw it up. I, yeah. I could see. I'm sorry. Let me finish my train of thought, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll pass the ball back to you. I could see them sitting there. Even if if we kept it exactly the same right up until we got to the post-match, I could hear Michael Cole shouting fed lines like, what is that dastardly Jake doing? He's not going to. It's, and, and, you know, the WWE Universe, like, catchphrases everywhere, branding mm-hmm. statements everywhere, which detract from the seriousness of the situation – and then I'm sure Jake would have had a snake time or something attached, you know, some kind of dumb <laughs> oh, phrase God, attached give, to don't it. Don't give Michael Cole any ideas because that would have been the precursor <laughs> to boss time. Well, I'm 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 convinced that he gets that one yelled in his ear. Say boss time, damn it! It's good shit. Um, <laughs> Brad just threw down his microphone and left. That wasn't me, actually. <laughs> no, but I thought it was funny to say. Um, you know, we would have had that all over it. And like for a lot of this, Heenan and Monsoon, they, they, they don't talk for pieces of it and they let what's in the ring talk for, you know, speak for itself. Whereas right now it seems like they can't leave well enough alone and let the moment speak for itself. Well, I liked when they talked about it afterwards, how Heenan actually went totally tweener and he's like yeah. i'm not saying this from a biased perspective but like you know bad stuff's gonna happen to jake roberts mm-hmm. yeah like like heenan kind of broke rank um with what well, he normally did yeah because it, i mean it was it was getting it was getting over what jake was doing but yeah. um it also is like what jake was doing was it like it's it reprehensible by any standard like even yeah. 30 years later it's like this was this was intense yeah um and jake i i know like it, things kind of were i guess already starting to fall apart with him but it's a shame because it, in my opinion i really do think like him at this level this at this heel run he was like he he was this was on top the top, of his like, game yeah this was top of his game like he he was just so good like this like if again if he transplanted him this character and say he you know he didn't have these drug and then alcohol issues and all these conflicts that he had if you were to take like this this person like jake and everything and transplant him to modern day era like he would be like the biggest star in the in the in the fucking country like people would hate him he would he would be so good with his character work and his promos and even his work rate was good. Like, yeah, and I, like, physically, I thought he looked great in this match. Like, even, like, his physique, he looked like he was, like, working out. He looked yeah, imposing. Yeah, he, um, he didn't have that pot belly he can have sometimes yeah. in, in the late 80s and early 90s. And Jake's a big dude. Like, Jake's, what, 6'6", six, six, I think? Yeah, he's big. 6'5", 6'6". Let's look it up real quick. I mean, his, dad's, looked, his dad's a big hmm. boy, too. He's yeah. billed at six six, so he's probably shoot six four or so. Grizzly but Smith's still, a, that's big. Grizzly yeah. Smith's a big guy. If you ever catch him on like Mid South stuff, 
but you're you're right, Matt. Like his his character work here is just mm-hmm. oh my god, it's sewing like sitting here with the body of knowledge we have, we know that like he doesn't stay there real long because his demons catch up to him and that sort yeah. of stuff. But even watching it, it's still mm-hmm. gripping in how they do everything. And you're just yeah. like, oh man, what in the and combine that with in the climate of the time nobody lays a hand on elizabeth except jake does well and yeah so to walk through it like he like savage wins but then the, the fight the fighting continues and jake manages to ddt savage mm-hmm. and then he ddts him again mm-hmm. so and savage is selling in this i thought was fantastic like he sells it like he's dead like yeah. he's He's almost unconscious because he, like, basically can't even move. He's just so incapacitated. We and, forgot a stipulation. Mm-hmm. Jack Tunney had ruled that there can be no reptile at ringside mm-hmm. for this match. Oh, yeah, I forgot and, about that. Yeah, you know, I, I have to and, say, too, um, just thinking about it while Matt's getting into it. I have to say, Jake's got some sacks on him for doing this in Texas when you don't know what kind of um, weaponry the audience mm. might have on them and the fucks they might or might not give about yeah. jumping in the <laughs> ring and taking care of you. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, it's in... So he... Savage is basically incapacitated, and then Jake goes outside the ring. And from underneath the ring, he pulls out, like, a small bag. And, of course, the implication is that he, he has the Cobra with him. Yeah. Uh, so then Elizabeth like runs from the back and she's like pleading with Jake to not, not bring the snake out again. She's like draping herself over Savage. I love uh, that mm-hmm. when, while she's doing this, it, she is also trying to move Savage out of the ring, mm-hmm. but he's dead weight selling so much that she yeah. can't move him. Mm-hmm. Like that, that whole selling just came together so well. Yeah. Um, and you're right, like Savage apparently has no friends and so no one's no one's coming out to to stop this. Not even other jobbers. Um eventually at the very, very end they have like a second ref come in. Yeah, like, that, right. that that apparently is enough to for Jake to beg off, but like Jake makes a big deal, like he he pulls like a, a long I mean like from you know, it, it covers his entire uh, hand and wrist up to like the elbow. Yeah. Uh, so it, and it's supposed to be like what like a leather glove. It's mm-hmm. it clearly like a, a glove that he's now going to use to handle this cover that he has in the bag. Yeah. And Elizabeth is like pleading with him, and Jake just starts like jawing with her, and they have they have the mic up close, and he's just like fucking sadistic, and it is so it is so dark, like the shit that he's saying, like he's like you better start begging to Elizabeth. <laughs> And eventually it comes to a point where he like grabs her and is like talking, like talking shit to her. Yeah. And he fucking grabs her by the hair with one hand and slaps her with the other. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I thought he punched her, but it's more like it's more of a slap. Yeah. And she kind of just like falls down and like covers her face. And then she's like, again, crawling over to Randy and like protecting him. And, the crowd is like insane with this, and at that point is when like 
the second ref comes in. And I think Jack Tunney was like, Tunney shows up, yeah. Tunney, you're a fucking useless Jack Tunney. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know what the you know what the sad part of all this was is they 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 make him empty the bag out and it was just a ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, it, it, there was never a snake in it. Yeah, and he says that at some point. Like the mic to catch that, it's like there was no snake in there. And he like, of course, Jake like played them all. Yeah, he he says no. I played it straight. There never was a snake. He's like, no, yeah. it was like, my drug dealer. It's just cocaine, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says that to Tunney on the way out. He says, no, I played it straight. There never was. So Tunney can't suspend him for breaking the rule and bringing a snake to ringside. Well, I want to point out, like this is all Tunney's fault technically, because at one point earlier before all of this, Savage like had a chair. He's gonna go attack Jake with it. And uh, Jack Tunney took that chair away. So all this bad shit that happened, Jack Tunney's fault. Well, Jack, Jack Tunney gets his later, so. Yeah. Yeah, Jack but, Tunney was all over this event, and it was really kind of annoying. He was uh, he there's five matches. He was in, involved in two of them, so. Yeah. It's, which is too many, too too many. Um, but this was like such a fucking hot angle, and it was so intense, oh my and. God. Now it's like this match, which you thought this match would be the grudge match. It's like no, they gotta face each other again because you this you want to see blood, you want to see like absolute violence. Yeah. Uh, and when they came back from the um, I guess it's like the break or whatever. Like it, Mean Gene, it's Mean Gene, right? Mean no. Gene was like, oh, no, who it was, was it? Sean Mooney. Oh, oh, it's right, it's Sean Mooney. That's right. Oh. Okay. I was Sean Mooney like interviewing. Well, Jake. Well, it's, well, who interviewed Jake? They did that before the match. No, Jake had another segment. Did he? And I'm forgetting it. Yeah, Jake had another segment. I think I feel like it was with Mean Gene. Maybe it was, and I'm I'm forgetting. Because they were like, you were like, you're sick. Get out of here. Because Jake starts. Yeah, yeah, that seems more like a Mean Gene. Um. It wasn't Sean Mooney. It was it was Mean Gene. Like Jake, they interviewed Jake, and he was basically like so pleased with himself for what he did to Miss Elizabeth, and putting his hands on her. And it was just like ridiculous. It was like so dark. Yeah. But but to go with the since you brought up the promo, I forgot to talk about the promo that he had, um, before, before the match where he and he was basically it was dark then too because he like the the awful stuff he had done with the Cobra and Savage. He was like he's basically saying like yeah you made me do that you made me do it yeah and then he kept going on with his whole like trust me. This yeah. whole trust me catchphrase. And this is like, it's the darkest his character ever was. And it was so good. And it's like in today's modern times, which it's like, it's it's 30 years later and people are way more jaded. And it's still like, is it gives you like goosebumps where it's like, what the fuck was going on? was going on here? And how did they let this happen? Because this is, this was really... This was incredibly avant-garde for the time. Like, yeah. He put his hands on a woman, which like you wouldn't even do that generally, but he put it on Miss Elizabeth, which well, is I mean, like not in the WWF. I mean, if this is no, Memphis, that's just Monday night. Well, even Florida, <laughs> yeah, even Florida, because I've mentioned before, there's a there's a great segment out there. Oh, where, and uh, Kevin Sullivan just socks uh, Luna Vachon. It's Luna Vachon, who's not she's not presented as Luna Vachon. She's presented as just like a. Uh, a random person like from the stand or whatever, but he called, he cold <laughs> sir. And I remember when I watched that uh, the first time I watched it, which is a few years back, 
But I was like, what the fuck happened? Because <laughs> it literally is so like a brawl comes out and all of a sudden <laughs> Solomon's just like, okay, you're in my way. Punch. Punch the woman. And then you realize though later that it's Luna Vashon you're like, oh yeah, like she probably like told him to do she it. probably legit. told him he didn't hit hard yeah. enough. Because that's, that's one of my favorite parts of the when they do the the hoe bag with two cold Scorpio, mm. and uh, they, they they asked him about her for the hoe bag. He's like, "You'd have to be crazy to call her a hoe. She'd rather like beat a, you know, beat a chick up or beat a guy up than you call her a hoe." Um, Matt, uh, the thing combine Jake's promos with Savage's promos, which were also so good. The promo Savage had after the match. Yes. Where he has the breakdown he and does. he's he's like he's threatening Jake. And at the same time, the macho man collapses and he's sitting on the floor trying not to cry, saying what happened to Elizabeth is all my fault. This yes. is all my fault. It was incredible. It was such <laughs> good character work. Both think, of them. I think where it works really well, too, in, in the in the <clears throat> WWF at the time is like there was not an ounce of cartoon in any of this. Oh. Yeah. It was the best way I can put it is it was the most realistic over the top thing I can remember seeing. It was like, like it's like um it was like if you were reading like a bunch of Silver Age DC and someone just like plopped a copy of Spawn number 1 like down in the middle of that and all you knew was like silver age dc like it would blow your your mind mm-hmm. it, it's a um just just okay i say realistic over the top thing in that order because it's over the top there is no way that you're gonna have a dude who has sicked a cobra on a guy in a workplace mm-hmm. like you're not you know that that guy's going to prison right like so this but on the other hand, the reactions and the character work makes it feel real, and it reaches in and you pull out you pull out this this mix of disgust and just a little bit of fear for Jake because you're like, you know, this guy is capable of doing that stuff, but he's also smart enough to not do the you know. And then you go to Savage's raw anger from the pre-match promo to the anger mixed with the complete mental breakdown he seems to be having at the same time. Like, whoever requested this, thank you, because I had not seen this sequence of stuff before, and I appreciate the hell out of it. Like... I didn't get to see enough Randy Savage growing up, and the the older I get, the more and more I love him. Like, yeah, seriously, thank you out there for that. I appreciate it. This I, was just staggering. I feel like I saw this pay per view before, but it, it like well, probably well over a decade ago. I, I had seen it. I had seen it probably in the late '90s when I was like renting every Coliseum video I could find. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember seeing Survivor Series 91, and they were talking about this pay-per-view. So I, I, I think I there was like three blockbusters within like drive. I could drive at this point. There was like a blockbuster that was further out 
away from my house that had like all these Coliseum videos that I had not seen, and I think they had a copy of this. But I think but I've only man, seen it once. This is so good. It's so good. And there's it, it, restraint. Again, it, it, um, I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, all I was going to add was this. I, even though I had seen it like years and years ago, like I don't, I didn't appreciate what I was seeing. So I saw it during the it Attitude Era. So, so it loses if you if you watch this in the context of what was going on in the Attitude Era, because I probably watched this in like the summer of '98. Like this probably lost. I think it had more bite now because I wasn't living through that. But like in that era, like that took that really took the bite out of it because, you know, I made the joke about that's just a Monday in Memphis, but that was like, Oh, they hit a woman like, Oh, was, um, was, uh, was Austin around because, you know, that seems to be like a weekly occurrence. So, I mean, I wasn't, I think that really took a lot of the, the spice out of it, but in the context of now where things have kind of gotten a little more restrained and I'm not watching as much modern wrestling, it kind of added that, that back into it. And we're, uh, the in 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 watching this um yeah in the attitude because everything in the attitude era was like oh we would be shocking and get people to watch and titties and and you know all the and so now shad you know, we have to use the proper terminology they're called puppies <laughs> i matt I, I or brad i want you to understand i am agreeing with you while i'm slowly rolling my eyes and wanking, making a wanking motion at the same time you are correct puppies but uh, I, but you know we whereas it was always like we're trying to throw stuff in your face and get people who are flipping channels to watch it and that's it, as opposed to like like intense character work and playing off the buildup of the relationship between Savage and Elizabeth and the, the enmity that the Jake had, you know all this other stuff it's like and the restraint of the company to let the talent handle it because another reason that I will say this could not happen in modern WWE is because they would, they would hand both of these guys a script of exactly what to say and produce this segment so much that, you know, cause Jake's doing this stuff and teasing it and that sort of thing. And he's he's doing it very well because he knows I'm going to take a little bit of an extra beat here. And now I'm going to show the glove as opposed to and but he keeps putting the bag down like he keeps dropping the bag and coming back to it because he's teasing it the whole time. And, And, you know, if it was if it was today, this whole thing would be like five minutes and there wouldn't be any of this. You wouldn't have the build and that sort of stuff. And well, and they'd have they, Seth Rollins do it, and he would give her the superplex and the Falcon Arrow, and she'd still kick out it too. So I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, it, in thinking about this, it at least to me, like I am, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this around to one of my Mark tendencies again, but the, um, the um. Uh, the the Orton Wyatt Bliss thing from Mania was not supposed to happen that way. It got changed day of because Vince and Pritchard couldn't keep their hands off of it and leave it alone. Can you imagine what they would have done to this? They would have they would have wrecked it by meddling in everything. 
and I'm convinced that that's why you see a lot of people currently who everybody knows they've got so much promise, but they ever, they keep getting meddled with so much and micromanaged and then forgotten about. It's it's like they don't they don't trust. Their, I think their I think the other thing too though is where it would get messed up currently is I think someone would step in about shareholders and stuff like that that would also uh, mess with it too. Yeah, probably. So we want to do we want to hit the next match and this is a it, it's a heck of a come down from this. Huh. Yeah, it, the the show's kind of not the this is the show never hits this high point again. I would say the show never gets bad, but this is definitely like the high point. Oh yeah, you're almost out of breath after that sequence. Yeah. So then up next we get um the British Bulldog and the Warlord, which I kind of want to know if um. They'd been feuding the whole year because they had a match at WrestleMania seven. And was was Harvey Wiffleman managing him at seven or is Harvey Wiffleman newer at this point? I don't know. Uh that's a good question. So I have to say the for my I, first oh go wasn't ahead. Wasn't I'm sorry to cut you off, but didn't wasn't Harvey Wiffleman with Sid early on? Or is so. that maybe that came after that? Because actually, Sid would have been still. Sid face. would have been a little bit later. I, I, I have to say, like I actually never cared for Harvey Whippleman. Like I, liked I understand. Him as, um, I liked downtown him better Bruno. in other areas of Downtown Bruno. He was better yeah. in that character. He just seemed like useless here. Like he never really. I felt unlike other managers like Bobby or Jimmy Hart or other people. It didn't seem like he actually. Or Jim Cornette. Like, he didn't seem like he really did much. Well, they always gave him such, like, terrible, terrible people to manage. Like, I mean, like, I don't know what you could do with Giant Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Or um, they gave him, like, Birth of Faye and what were some of his other ones? Kamala when he, like, turned face. See, I actually, the the Birth of Faye one is actually the one I, I would have to say, like, in my opinion was the best use of him because they actually had him who, I mean, downtown Harvey Whippleman, AKA downtown Bruno is like, he's a, he's a smaller man. He's thin. And he had Bertha Faye. who was large. And like, they had them be like, have a romantic entanglement. And unfortunately, like they, it was all played for last because, you know, Bertha Faye was heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Even um, though she but, was probably like the best worker they had on oh she was very good she was a very good she was a pretty good worker she had uh i haven't seen a lot of it but she did she had a a very successful career in all japan women yeah there's a there's a there's some really good brawls with her and um bull nakano Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately she um she passed away very young yeah, she did. There, and there's that weird. She had that weird WCW run in like 2000 and 2001 when they were flirting with the women's division. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad because if you, she's someone who, if you took her like the modern day era, she probably would have a pretty good career. Yeah, because she had not not in WWF because they were playing her for laughs, but like. When she was doing like the painted up like monster ripper, ripper stuff, especially when she was a little mm-hmm. younger, she had like an aura of like 
like she really had that like monster aura about her yeah i should also clarify what i just said is that i acted like you know if she was here she'd have a good career she had a good career it's just i'm what i mean is like in nor if she were featured today in north american promotions she probably would be uh presented quite well versus just like there's a no one that glorified really, comedy acts there's no one that really does her deal in any promotion mm-hmm. now i mean they still i mean i guess i guess awesome kong was <clears> kind <throat> of that character and i mean that mm-hmm. did really well and i'd say awesome kong was better than she was but no one currently like that's this like in their physical prime is like doing that in like a women's division because I mean even in Japan they're kind of just wheeling out Aja Kong still. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, I will say for people, <laughs> excuse me, goodness, for people who like modern day product, uh, a, a woman who kind of does have this like she's a bigger woman but and has kind of like a comedy thing going. But it's still treated well and with respect with Faye Jackson on the indie scene, who I think she's made noise about how she's essentially like retired or oh really isn't going to compete any further. I think she's made noise about it. I mean, she I think she's relatively young. I don't know how old she is, but I don't think she's you know I don't think I don't think she's like forty. So she she can always come back, but I think she's I think she's take, taking a step away, but. I she think I think up. a lot of I think a lot of people like her we're gonna see not come back once things start getting in full swing because they probably got like <laughs> they either focus more on their job or they just realize Maybe. how little they were getting out for how much they were putting in. Looking up her age, she's thirty four, so she actually has if she wants to come back, like she um she would I'm sure have an opportunity to and she's, she's someone four or five good years I think in her. Yeah, and she's someone who I think has a unique look and a unique act because she did the whole like, um, like voluptuous and like a sex symbol type of thing. But it was very, it was prevented like tongue in cheek, but also very well done. Like she I, had I, a good mind for her gimmick and like how to play. She had, and she had like, like when she was going to do that, um, oh, what was her show called? Um, uh, the Grace uh, Grace Fat Pants Battle Royal. Yeah, like she had, she definitely knew like the market she was she wanted mm-hmm. to to hit, and she did a very good. She had a very yeah. good mind for like her for her gimmick and like that, that sort of stuff. That did happen actually this past like a, a few weeks back uh, with the Game Changer Wrestling the collective shows. Okay. Uh, before WrestleMania. But um, I mean, obviously, like it, it there's a lot of hype with it last year, but it had to be canceled because of the pandemic. But um, and it did happen this year, but it uh, didn't have as much hype. But I, she's someone who I would like. She has somewhat of a connection to AEW in the sense that it's been a few, it's been weeks since she was there. But she was actually one of these like workers or wrestlers who was actually in the uh, in the audience at Daly's place. Mm. You know they have like the wrestlers come and they're the wrestlers of the audience. Oh, I remember. Yeah, because she um, some of her ringside reactions were hilarious. Yeah, so it's like I actually think I would love to see her do like a run in AEW. You could, it doesn't even have to be like long. Like you, you bring her in for like a year or two. Like she's entertaining. She's a she. It's it's 
I mean, she's kind of probably more of a comedy actress because there's a lot of like comedy that's involved. But she's someone who I think is charismatic enough and has a unique enough gimmick that I actually think it would get over really well. I mean, it gets over in the indie scene very well. And I, I, the local DC promotion that unfortunately I don't even think is going to exist anymore because of the pandemic kind of shut everything down. And I don't think they've recovered. But the last show they did, the main event was her versus Effie. Uh, and Effie obviously is a uh, he's gay in real life, and his gimmick is very like that he's you know a gay man. But it's funny because they did it was such a meta type of gimmick or comedy match, but they had her basically start twerking on him. <laughs> I think I talked about this on the show before. She starts twerking on him, and he starts like it's where he has to suppress heterosexual urges <laughs> towards her <laughs> and he's like trying to fight them off and it's like it's such a ridiculous spot but in the context of that match it was absolutely hilarious and everyone in the live audience was like going crazy for it because it was such a smart spot and it's like stuff like that it's like she could clearly get over like she'd be really she'd be really entertaining and effie actually has he's been doing stuff with like i think nwa right or mm-hmm. has no, I you haven't seen him. I don't think I've seen him in the well on the power. He was doing stuff a few months back. Oh, when I they were doing those mixed shows. Yeah. With um, with um, championship wrestling from Hollywood. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they a had a falling out with Dave Marquez at some point in there because he um, mm. he he put Nick Aldis on blast on Twitter a couple weeks ago. That's a shame because I actually think Effie is actually very entertaining. And well, I think Dave that... Marquez did not. I don't. Effie didn't do anything, but Dave Marquez did, which mm. I think is a big loss for them because Dave Marquez is like a super underrated, like great promoter of the modern era. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I wanted to say There's... though, um, mm-hmm. the first thought I had with this match though is, man, Davey looked juiced to the gills for this match. Oh my God, he looked. Yeah. Like if you took a, a needle to him, he would pop. Yeah, I was gonna say I I like that's my thought. I'm like I don't know if they want to do a bear hug spot or anything because <laughs> um the roids might start squirting out of his ears. Yeah, he was not toned. He was he was very kind of swollen. Oh, he was like his back, like and his neck were just like there was one shot of him where I think he was like kind of sort of flexing. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude, like what did you do to yourself? <laughs> well, Warlord wasn't much better. Like Warlord, no. like if you want to actually compare Warlord to like a modern day war, more Warlord was almost at like Braun Strowman level of like big. He yeah. Was just big. It's like, it's like Jesus dudes. Were you in the bathroom, like injecting each other before this match? He could have been. Cause like the, um, I, I, the, I know Nash told the story is that they were they decided to screw with Warlord at some point and they said something. Oh, they would say and like Warlord you're looking like, a little flabby get... or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey man, you've been you've been laying off a little bit, and you go and you start working out. And he went and and like got a needle of, of juice, and he asked Sean to shoot him up. So Michaels like hit him in the backside. And then he's two-handing it, trying to get the plunger to go down, and it won't go. And he takes down, hands it back to him, and says, Sorry, brother, I think you're full. 
God, could you oh. imagine? Could you imagine being Shawn Michaels and you're like 190 pounds, and this very large man's like, like, I need you, I need you to, I need you to, to put this in my ass. And it's like, but I don't want to. But you're very large, so like, let's just get this over with. It's it's a weird place to be. Do you do you ever think like you're you're doing this and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I could have been an accountant, an accountant for God's sakes. I'm sure Delo did. Oh yeah, he was an accountant. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you but, know he's uh, um Delo's been doing commentary on Impact. Just random mm-hmm, aside. Yeah. I've always liked D'Lo. D'Lo and th- these are some weird picks, but D'Lo and Sanjay Dutt are two guys that come to mind that had this smoothness in how they worked that I really enjoyed. Like there are a lot of guys that whenever they do stuff, you know, there's there's very uh, it's kind of hard to describe. But you know, if I go to shoot you off, plant my feet and then pivot or something, they had this this smooth quality to their work that appealed to me i kind of i kind of deal is a big what if for me because i feel like matt might back me up on this but i feel like it took him a solid four years and getting to all japan and working impact and stuff for him to really get his confidence back after the injury to draws like it felt like that just like oh he completely fell apart any semblance of like confidence from him for like years and i feel yeah. like i feel like his career could have been so much more had that like had he because i mean because they they both talked about it on that brawl for all episode i think um i i think they talked about it happening but i don't know that they talked about how or what happened he said like but like they both talked about it and you can tell even like because this is probably 20 years later you can tell Delo's still like just torn to shreds feels awful about it like i think i think like i think um i mean i know he has to because it's his body but like you can tell draws is like come to peace with it more than Delo has but they were talking about it and like he said he came down i don't even think they they thought they messed it up too bad but draws said like he just felt something go and he's just like well i'll give it a second and he's like he's like telling deal like man like i can't i can't do anything yeah um yeah i i i've i've never watched it and i never will i don't think it was on tv Um, i think it was a house show i don't think it's ever been aired i'm sure somebody's got footage somewhere and i don't want to see it it was like 99 Um, probably not but uh the that and like I saw the Hayabusa clip once by accident. I didn't intend to, but it, you know I don't want to see that stuff. But they've never talked about what happened. Did you know? Did Draws slip when Delo had him up and was going for the running power bomb? Did someone's weight shift? Did I like they've never talked about it? They just say um, like Draws just says you know I don't blame Delo for it. It's just something that happened. I think sometimes I think sometimes I think what happens on some of those really bad ones is I think you misfire a bit, but you think you're good and you both think you're good. Like even the guy taking it's like, okay, we're good. And then you're just off too much. And then you don't realize it until you come down and then they're just like something happens on the way down that. And at that point, you don't have 
your control for what you could do is gone because you're you're already in progress. Like um, what happened with uh, Joe and Tyson Kid. Like Kid does not blame Joe for it. He's a, he's mm-hmm. a, it's just a freak thing that happened. But you know, I'm sure Joe feels terrible about him, and we know D'Lo does. Well, but I, I always I when, um, loved. I know when when Benoit dropped Sabu on his head, they found him. They couldn't find him, and they found him crying in a closet because he thought he killed Sabu. Which, considering yeah. how his life ended up, that's really um, tragic in its own way. It is. Um, it really. But like, yeah, because I mean, I don't know. That one used to be on like all their DVDs, but man, if you've ever seen the Sabu one, that one's fucking brutal. It yeah, is brutal. I remember that it, one. It, that was off of a back body drop, wasn't it? No, it was a it was a German, I think. I th- I thought it was off of a botched back body drop, but I could just be wrong. I don't want to know. I don't want to see it. Um, but you know, just to have that happen. Or the uh, v- the Viano that Raven saved because he was uh, on top yeah. of it. I remember seeing that because uh, Canyon just like Canyon immediately knew something was wrong. Um, but it, what didn't Raven like cradle his head and protect him or something like that after the landing? Yeah, cra- Raven didn't let go of him because even I was still newer to watching. Even then, I knew something was wrong because. Because Raven was holding his head in place. Well, I mean, yeah, Canyon's response told you everything, but, um, but you could tell, you could tell when it happened and the way that they just ended the match too. But you could tell because they, because Raven, I think, dropped too early. I'm not sure. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to see that stuff. It, it's bad enough. But uh, uh, the Buff one was, was the now the Buff one. I don't remember that. That was Rick Steiner did a flying bulldog, and Buff's head came out of Rick's arm, basically right before Rick hit the mat. Okay. So, and then in the um, in the uh, the impact of it, Buff still had the forward momentum, and his head was up, and he ran into Rick's back, which which dropped him. Um, I remember watching that live. But I will say all of those are preferable to um, was that UFC 262? Oh God! The Weidman, what was that? The 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 Weidman busting his leg on. Oh God! The most recent see, one. You can literally see his like foot like wrap around the guy because he broke. Oh jeez! Wait, the yeah. one that just happened? Yeah. Yeah, it's. I... I was uh I don't uh, watch like UFC like live because I know I'm not even though I have an ESPN Plus subscription I'm not gonna pay like additional sixty seventy dollars for yeah, those pay per views but ridiculous. but I I've told I've expressed before like if you want to actually pay attention to what's going on in the pay per view you're not like at a going to a bar or watching with friends like you get all the good could, stuff and like a you streamable could, or a gift the you, next day anyway. You literally well you can literally you can just find out what's happening on Twitter like you can just go on Twitter mm-hmm. click on like trending and UFC will be trending because it's it's you know those are always like big events and you can basically find out everything that's going on. You can see like gifts that will show you all the highlights with like essentially contemporaneously. You can watch it as it's happening. Yeah. And I remember I, I have a, uh, 
I have like just like a rolling text exchange with some uh, group of friends, like friend of the show, Christy Petrillo. <laughs> and there's a couple other people on there, including friend of uh, the show, Damien Gonzalez, Dames. Um, but anyway, I just get a text in that thread where Chris is just like going like, like, oh my God. And I'm like, what, what? So I immediately was like, oh, it must be like the pay-per-view. So I go on, on Twitter and everyone is talking about that. And I had to, I saw a GIF of it and I was just like, oh, I think I immediately was like looking at my phone. I just start going, oh, oh, and my wife's like, what, what? And I'm like, oh my God, you don't want to even know no, what I just no. saw. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't show it to my wife. But what, what's ironic about, about that pay-per-view and Wyden mm-hmm. doing that is they actually pulled off long-term storytelling better than the WWE does and most <laughs> wrestling does. Because so for those that don't know, so there Anderson Silva was what, well, and there, the, the main event ties into this too. So Anderson Silva was like the middleweight champion for like, I think eight years and just unbeatable. So he's fighting Weidman and he's doing this. He used to do this stuff where he just like mock them and do this like, I'm going to like act like I'm hurt and do this like fake out like head bob stuff. So mm-hmm. he's doing that to Weidman and Weidman just checks him on the chin and he goes down like a sack of cement and Weidman just jumps on him and just hits him a couple times. And that's the end of like this eight year reign because Anderson Silva didn't respect him and like was fucking around. So then, um, so they have a rematch a, a year later and Anderson Silva does this exact same leg break mm-hmm. on on uh, against Chris Weidman. So all these years later, Chris Weidman does the exact same leg leg break, and then on the same pay per view, uh, Jorge Masvidal loses in the main event because he does the Anderson Silva like head bobbing crap and not respecting <laughs> his opponent, mm-hmm. and he gets checked and gets knocked the fuck out. Calling back to again Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva. Yeah, I've seen some of those when I got um, started when I was I was doing Muay Thai training and I saw some of those basically so that I could be aware. It's like, okay, this is something to, you know, to be aware of. So I actually changed how I threw roundhouse kicks because of those. My wife was like, how does that happen? I thought your shin was like really strong. Like, no, like, but it's like there's a lack of follow through because of the way you connected and when that bone goes there's nothing holding anything together so it's just no. like an empty boot yeah um like i said it, it changed how i threw my roundhouses like that um it, it used to well it's not really important um but back to the match right <laughs> yeah so this match oh was God, actually yeah. surprisingly decent I kind of liked it. There was a bit of a rough spot where Davy Boy goes for like a suicide dive and pretty much just connects with nothing. Yeah. He goes into the ropes. Yeah, yeah. But that at least was like kind of a planned spot because um, what, what did did Harvey Whippleman like? I think get... Warlord like kind of picked him up out of that and like did something. I think he threw him back in the ring. Uh, well, okay. Oh no, I remember. Okay, now I'm thinking of a different spot, but yes, he does. He does like that. He does that like jump over the top, but um, Warlord basically catches him, which is a really impressive spot. And then he rams him into the post. Yeah. 
this was a pretty good match. It was mostly just like a power match between, well, well really, the, with Warlord doing most of the offense. It was mm-hmm. kind of like someone gave them <laughs> constructive criticism on their Mania 7 match, and they altered it in a good way. Like, they touched on the same spots, like Warlord not being able to get the, the full Nelson, but they tur- they cut that down from being like three minutes of a full Nelson into like 90 seconds, and it worked a lot better. I don't know. That full Nelson spot still seemed to go. Where's my notes? That full Nelson spot honestly f- felt like it. It just went too long, and the crowd wound down during it. Like the we, you're watching it, and the crowd's in, engaged, 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 engaged. Like after the spot's over, they kind of come back. But it, they lost some of their heat because that spot went too long. And then they kind of do like the the fluke roll-up win, which I don't know why they needed to do that. Because I think he beat, beat him with, the, with, the, with the, the, the power slam at Mania. So I don't know why they did like a, a less clean. The crucifix, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crucifix, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I thought this was, for it being the Bulldog and the Warlord, I thought this was better than it had any sort of right being. Mm-hmm. It's better than I thought. Like, I'm watching this, and it's Warlord Bulldog, and I'm like, oh, well, here we go. Stiffsville. Um, yeah, because I always two thought Stiffs War- having a match, not... I always, not them stiffing each other. But. I always thought Warlord sucks, but we've seen him in two decent things in the last year because he was decent in this and he was decent on that UWF match with the Killer Bees. Warlord is probably fine and suffers from... His his big bouts of visibility suffer from being contrasted to people a lot better than him. And I think he was a little too gassed up in those big spots. Yeah. Makes him stiff. Yeah. But this, I mean, yeah, this was this was better than I thought it would be, and I'm like, oh, it's not not bad. Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's when you know you kind of cheated the system on a pay per view like this when like an obvious stinker turns out to be okay. You're like, okay, like, well, you know, how bad can the rest of this be if uh, this turned out okay? Honestly, this whole show was made worthwhile for me by by the the Jake Savage thing. But if I'd had my druthers, I probably would have replaced this with like Legion of Doom versus Natural Disasters. I would have kept this because it was okay. I would have replaced our next match which is um Ted DiBiase and Repo Man versus Tito Santana and Virgil because um this match was okay. Yeah. Again, yeah, it was like it a was... TV main event, but I was just like, why is this on a pay-per-view, and why is this getting time? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to argue with you a little bit because um, I actually thought this was a pretty damn good tag match. It was. Things kept moving. Everyone got engaged. Everybody got to do their, you know, got to have moments to shine. You know, I, I was like, this pretty good and DiBiase had his bumping shoes on he bumped huge for Virgil he and Virgil um, actually work well together um when they have matches I think so you know and and Tito Santana did this great house of fire like right in the middle of it I thought they kind of made Virgil look like a dumbass at the end though 
Yeah, I, I I didn't exactly catch the finish the first time through. Um, I was kind of like, what, 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 what just happened here? You know, <laughs> but um, I thought this was a pretty damn good tag match. Like everybody's involved, everybody's doing something. You know, Sherry gets involved. Like if this would be a match, I would be pretty proud to have. Um, in my catalog because every everything works even if it's not like you know shoot the moon great everything works pretty damn well i also i also like how um coming out of this match ted DiBiase realized he needed to go legit so he got the federal government to help him steal from people instead of like (laughs) an independent contractor oh man Because that's still my favorite is um, IRS um, taking uh, Tatanka's headdress because (laughs) he was – didn't he take – he took took, um, Razor Ramon's chains too. Okay, so quick funny story. Um, My sister-in-law was talking to one of her best friends. Turns out her best friend's dad, and I know this is a long way to go for it. Her best friend's dad was like childhood and and great friend into adulthood with uh, Mike Rotunda and told stories about how when the bus would come by when they were on tour and they'd all stop and eat at his parents' house. And she she thought everybody was pretty great except for uh, Haystack's Calhoun because apparently he never changed his clothes. And he smelled awful. Did... But yeah, that was she. She was like, do you? She sent me a picture, I think. She's like, do you know who this wrestler is? I was like, yeah. How much response do you want from this? <laughs> and she, she kind of prodded me. I'm like, yeah, Mike Rotunda, Varsity Club. IR, most people probably remember him as IRS. Uh, tag with Ted DB. And, and then she tells me, that like, that's really cool. So, um, two stories I have just from you talking about this. So, um, with wrestlers not changing their clothes, Michael Cole told a story, I think on a Raw, when Vader came back, that his first day on the job, Vince is like, well, before you can start, I need you to do this. And he pulled out Vader's mask, and he's like, I need you to put this on. And, you know, Vader's notorious for he never washed his mask. And Michael Cole's like, yeah, that was the first time I got ribbed in this industry. And um, and uh, the second one is, did you guys watch that squash match I sent you with like Mike Rotunda and like I think his name was Death Row and the guy was like trying to shoot on him so like Mike Rotunda just did it the hard way. If I did, I don't remember it. Like the guy wasn't cooperating, so like Rotunda just like went amateur wrestler on him and like tossed him on his back and then just like forced him like i think he key locked him actually hmm i have to go back and look I'll, I'll look it up but um it's like it's like a two or three second thing and like the guy's not cooperating so rotunda just like does it whether the guy liked it or not it's kind of like the the story about that guy that that mike bell that tried to change things on perry saturn it's like, yeah there there is never a way if you're a job guy being put in with 
uh, with a name. There is never a way this is going to turn out well for or that. Um, the was it the the great Anto- great Antonio that tried to do that to Anoki, so Anoki just kicked the shit out of him. Oh my gosh, Anoki. Like Antonio was apparently a little bit off to start with, but I think Anoki gave him brain damage. Yeah. So this was, I mean, this was fine. Um, it was just kind of, I think, a, a bring down to get people ready for the main event. Yeah, so, and it, it, it had good payoff. It had good feel-good moments. But you also, you needed to keep, like, DiBiase was the one that needed to come out of this, I guess, in the best shape because they were going to be moving him into a new team. Yeah. So then, um, so up next we have our main event, which is... The brand new WWF champion Undertaker defending against Hulk Hogan. This is a rematch from Survivor Series where Taker, with the help of Ric Flair, because Ric Flair like put a chair in there so he could tombstone Hogan onto it and won the title. So this is a rematch. And um, Jack Tunney is out here to make sure there's no shenanigans, which um, I'm sure Matt's just delighted to see again. <laughs> Said it before. A lot of people, a lot of people want to put uh, put Donald Trump as the worst president of all time. You know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment on that other than to say I actually think it's Jack Tunney. Jack Tunney was the worst president. <laughs> how how hard did you laugh when Ric Flair got knocked on top of him? Oh, I thought it was hilarious, but I also thought it was like, I mean, it was just a, it was kind of like a bad bump. Like I mean, obviously like the plan was for a bump, but it was like it was kind of awkward looking. But I mean, Flair. Being the consummate professional, like was doing what he could to make it look good, but and yeah. Flair was just being a nice guy and helping him up just in time mm-hmm. to see the end of the match. See Hogan cheating, being a dirty yeah. cheater. Yeah. yeah, Hogan did and, cheat like a motherfucker in this. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I mean, there is something extra sociopathic about using the ashes of the dead parents of your opponent, who in later lore murdered said parents, to mm-hmm. win your title back from them. I this was like really like bizarre because Hogan not only dumps the ashes he takes him and like throws him in a Taker's face yeah which I I mean has anywhere else were the actual ashes used no I don't think so because remember this, uh, yeah if, if we know anything from SummerSlam '95 there was just a light in there yeah I was getting ready to say. I know that there was one where there was just a they opened it and there was like a spotlight in it. Yeah, because they were talking about on something I don't remember what it was. Now they were talking about how the ultimate MacGuffin of like the '90s is which was what was in the urn. But I was always like, but that's not true because and I'd seen this show and I think this show wasn't well viewed at the time. But I'm like, that's kind of not true because I remember at some point Hogan throwing the ashes of Taker's dead parents in his face to win his title back. Have they established that that's who it was? Oh, I mean, who else's ashes are going to be in there? Some hobo he just happened to murder a couple of days ago. I have no ago. idea. Oh, wait, no, he had a mortuary. So, I don't know, maybe it was any schlub that, you know, he decided to uh, to off. There, uh, I was going to make a reference, but you know what? I'm just going to let that one go by. We'll just put down um, solicitors. <laughs> People who knock on your door and ask if you're aware that your car's warranty has expired. Maybe, maybe, okay, so maybe, maybe Taker in his past life was a bootlegger, so they're just 
um, ashes of random revenueers he's killing as revenge in his <laughs> zombie state. Maybe. Did um uh, did IRS ever steal the urn? I don't know. That feels that feels like something that did happen. Or did Kama steal it? Well, Kama definitely stole it. Kama stole it and then melted it into like this oh, bizarre right. gold chain that's that he right. was then wearing. Yeah, I remember that. Man, there, that urns had a had a storied and turbulent history. It has, hasn't it? It's there's been a lot that's happened around that thing. So this is yes. This is a lot Hold of, on. Okay. Let me pause. The 1995, there was a, a late 1994 feud with The Undertaker and IRS, which culminated in a 1995 Rumble match in which Undertaker defeated IRS. Um, but, so afterwards, Ted DiBiase sends in Druids <laughs> to attack The Undertaker. Um, King Kong Bundy attacked The Undertaker. This is when... I think DiBiase is doing that whole like corporation. Is this when he is, does like the whole ascending to the heavens thing? Because no, like, I feel no, that was at a him. that was at a rumble. That was not that was at a rumble. Yoko, wasn't it? That yeah. was at yeah, that was not at this rumble. Because they even um, had like but, I I remember that because even like Tenryu of all people like just came out and attacked him. Yes, and I think um, I think he didn't even um Great Kabuki that? come out. It's like every heel on the roster at the time. Uh, was it was it Tenru and Omori Takeo Omori? Maybe it was. There were like twenty guys legit that that beat him up before they did. Oh him. no, it was it was Jeff Jarrett. It was like a whole bunch of people. Quang. Yeah. Um. Jeez. What but, is five hundred uh, pounds of shit hitting a fan sound like? I think that's what what uh, Russell Crap used to say about the Quang thing when mm-hmm. they still had like all those on the website. Uh, oh, I, I wasted so many college days on Russell Crap reading those entries. Yeah, you ain't the only one. Uh, but during uh during that whole brawl after uh their match in '95 Rumble, IRS was able to repossess the Undertaker's urn. <laughs> Which at the time it was said that the urn possessed the power of the Undertaker. Like they get, they went, they were so stupid back in that time. What did he? Now he had an orbital injury when he had like the Phantom of the Opera mask, right? Yeah, that okay. that mask, that was um, Mabel did that to him, I think, and they didn't want to take him off the road, so they made the mask to protect his orbital bone, which is why it was so thick. Um. But they had the concept of the mankind mask that they didn't end up using because it wouldn't provide enough protection. That was always weird to me, but I didn't know he had an orbital orbital injury until years later. Yeah. So this was, I, I would say, in to, in my opinion, this was the worst match of the show. It was this match. <clears throat> It wasn't. It you know wasn't what, Matt? Go ahead. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't great. I didn't care for the Brett Skinner match, even though I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was um, bad. It was just like a like a TV match to me. Um, but I would say this is the next worst match. But it, I thought this was. I actually thought this was fine. It started off pretty good with some good fire. 
Um, but then they went into like this long like Undertaker choking Hogan segment. I think I think which, they I think they ran headlong into Taker's limitations. Yeah, but uh, he was pretty still young as a worker. I mean, he had been around for a few years, but he was still. Uh, but also the gimmick limited him. Like he yeah. wasn't he wasn't he didn't do obviously like the the classic stuff that he was doing you know 10 years later 15 and, years later and hogan was a little older here and i don't think um it's the wwf so like i don't think hogan was going to be up for like some of the hyper athletic stuff he could do that would like mm-hmm. but i mean i i thought hogan actually i'm surprised hogan did not gobble him up and spit him out like hogan actually did quite a bit to protect him here yeah like, i was kind of yeah. surprised by that but i think mm-hmm. i think hogan was essentially heading down a little bit but yeah, uh, they he did more to protect him than I thought he would have because Hogan usually doesn't in these programs. This match, the way that I when I got done with it, I kind of sat back and I was like, "Well, this was early Taker versus Hulk Hogan. It played out exactly like I, I expected it to. Like the crowd's hot for it and everything, but mm-hmm. there there's nothing in this that surprised me. Everything it." it felt almost paint by the numbers for how these guys were working at the time. And uh, there wasn't anything that really reeled me in. So, you know, it's not bad, but I, I'm just like, eh. And I think, I think if we're being honest here, I don't think Taker really found his groove as a worker for another three or four years after this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, in fairness to him though, I mean, a lot of his stuff were freak fights too. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't facing like good quality stuff. So anyway, um Matt's favorite <clears throat> WWF president of all time, Jack Tunney, later vacates the title and that leads us to the ninety two rumble, which is the greatest rumble of all time, still is, and Flair winning the title. Mm-hmm. And um Hogan doesn't touch the belt again until ninety three. Which, uh, given the mentality of the time, kind of remarkable. Well, he he was really, he was kind of gone for a lot of 92. Like, I think he just mm-hmm. disappears after Mania 8. And um, I think that, I think Warrior was, like, supposed to take his place after that. And then they go into that stupid, like, Papa Shango <laughs> shit where, like, he's puking and they, they showed it over and over again on TV. They even no, didn't. Don't make yeah. me regret drafting Papa Shango into <laughs> my company. They even did an angle. Um, I think this is right when the steroid trial was happening, like in the early nineties. But they hold. They even did a whole angle before WrestleMania eight, where it was it was billed as potentially Hogan's last match. Um, and I, I think I even sent this to you. Like this is where like Hogan did. This interview with Vince McMahon. Oh, thank you for yeah. Hulkley. <laughs> and Vince McMahon's like, thank you for the memories. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for Hulkamania. It was just like, <laughs> it I was like, you. It's so fucking cringe, but it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> They're the trying laps, so hard. It's it's trying so hard to be dramatic. Like, the, the Laps fan has talked about that um, interview, and Vince McMahon's, like, over-the-top <laughs> thing. And it's become like a thank you for Hulkamania. It's become like this running joke. But yeah, he like he like basically. I also think this show's interesting. Until like WrestleMania nine or close to it. 
I think this show is interesting too because mm. this is where you're starting to see like well I mean you can tell the product struggling at this point but you can really see like the that 80s WWF is like starting to quickly go away or you can tell it's really like hitting its limit and you're seeing like that 90s mm. WWF start to kind of come in because mm-hmm. even even like the Jake and Macho thing I don't think you would have ever seen that in the 80s WWF like I think that was a very 90s thing and you're kind of seeing that mo- you know honestly I bet I bet was the steroids trial going on at this point? Um, it was starting to heat up, yeah. I'm wondering if this, I I kind I kind of want to know now. This kind of feels like Jerry Jarrett had his hands in it. Hmm. This didn't feel like something Vince would have done. This feels like something like I bet like Pat Patterson and like Jerry Jarrett might have thought up on the side because it felt very out of character for Vince at the time. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Because it felt much more like an angle you'd see in WCW or like Memphis. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So overall, I I like this show quite a bit. I'd give this an easy thumbs up. It's an hour and a half. It's an easy watch. It's five matches. Nothing outstays its welcome. Nothing's actually bad. I'd say everything is watchable and worth your time. Mm-hmm. I too would give it a thumbs up. Um, it it feels more almost like a Saturday night main event type of yeah, show. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but that doesn't make it bad. It's it's. I would say again. I I felt like the worst match on the show was the first one with Bret Hart and Skinner, which it's not. A, that's not a bad match. It's just like a their match. It's kind of just like a basic. It's like a two, two and a half star match, I'd say. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say it's it's like that. It's just like it's like just kind of like a TV level. <laughs> it's it's something. It's a match that nowadays. That's like the would, worst one. The rest. Um... I'd say Brett Skinner is something like back in the day. Mm-hmm. If you got that on TV, you would have been elated because that would have really stood out and been good. But in these days, you would be like, eh, that was whatever. But like back in the day, that would have. Like, if you would have gotten that for free on TV, you would have been like, oh, like, you don't see stuff that good very often. Yeah, it wasn't a squash match, and it was uh, it was pretty decent. It was perfectly fine. So that And that's the worst one, in my opinion. Like, the rest mm. um, were up to five-star classics. Um, I would say that the, the Savage Roberts angle, everything in total, is, like, going at worth at it going out of your way to see yeah um but the other the other three matches uh are generally good they're not like classics but they are i'd probably rate them around like three stars like they're pretty they're they're very inoffensive i think it's it's a 90 minute show it's like it's an easy watch Mm -hmm. it's perfect like you said the the jake savage gives you know is the reason for it that's mm-hmm. that sells the whole thing by itself a uh, hogan taker is like an afterthought mm-hmm. to that like that's that's the real thing although that's not what most people seem to know it for all right fine well i mean because i don't think i don't think i don't think savage and jake really had a match after this other than maybe like a, a, a saturday night's main event but like the Hogan Taker thing leads to like the best Royal Rumble of all time. 
So mm-hmm. I think like when you talk about the context of history, Hogan Taker had a bigger impact. Okay, well, fair enough. A bigger, longer term thing, but in terms of just angle, that was just it, heat. That was so much. In terms of like a singular show in context of when it happened, it was a bigger. Oh man, it was just deal. amazing. All right, well, that has been. <clears throat> this Tuesday in Texas, um, like we said, that was a listener request. So if you have a request, um, let us know. Drop us a line through any of our social media. We'd love to hear from you. Um, any parting thoughts we want to give, guys? Uh, I appreciate this one. This has been one of my more favorite shows we've done, actually. Yeah, this was a, this is a pretty fun watch. And we're going to have to do the 92 Rumble later this summer because we've done, like, everything around it now. <laughs> yeah. Everything attached to it without doing it itself. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, any idea what we got coming up, or we we still hashing out on what it'll be? Uh, well, I think we're going to do cartoons. Probably some lighter stuff the next two weeks because I am moving at the end of the month, so we're probably going to have to double record. Mm-hmm. So probably non-timely stuff. And I kind of want to do, I kind of want to do just because we did it last June. I kind of want to hit some global stuff in June again, mm-hmm. just because I know Matt and I have been itching to to revisit it. Okay. So well, that's then... kind of what's on my radar. And then there's a couple things that we still have, like in the we still have in the bin that we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. So. That's what you can look forward to. We want to say thank you, everybody out there who uh, has joined us for this episode. We would love to hear from you on all of our social media platforms. If you have a request, send it in. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.